Welcome to another episode of Rejoicing Daily with your host, Rebecca Brandt. She has a heart to help all families find the joy and beauty of our daily lives, not living in negativity, but truly counting our blessings. The show is based on that beautiful verse in Psalm 118 verse 24 that says, This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Join Rebecca and her special guests as they share insights for Rejoicing Daily. Hi everyone, this is Rebecca Brandt with another episode of Rejoicing Daily. Um, This is a podcast show that I've created at TheUltimateRadioShow.com. It's focused on helping you live a life filled with rejoicing, not negativity, through the storms of life. Um, This life is not an easy one. Circumstances come and go and um, seem to toss us in the wind at times, but at all times, God is there with us. And today, I am thrilled to introduce a very, very special friend of mine, Jennifer James from JenniferAJames.com. I met Jennifer several years ago when I first started my blog. She's um, one of the first people, actually the very first person I allowed to call me at my home, and I didn't know the doors um, that she was going to open to my heart. Jennifer, um, thank you so much for joining today. Um, Can you please share a little bit about your home and special needs homeschooling, which is what you are here to discuss today? Um, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I am. Um, I've been married to my husband for be almost 13 years. Uh, I have two daughters. One will be nine on um, very soon, and the other one will be 11 shortly after that. And my older daughter had some issues early on with um, she was sick for the first three years of her life, and we kind of got past that. She has some vision issues which have remained very stable through the years and is doing really well now and then my younger daughter um, has uh, some chronic health issues and neurodevelopmental issues and some pretty significant learning difficulties which although I was a classroom teacher before I married my husband I was not prepared to deal with at all when I began homeschooling, and since the first couple of years of homeschooling, our older daughter went well, and my younger daughter is very bright and just a pleasure to have in our home. I was really taken by surprise when we started homeschooling, and I realized that her um, difficulties went far beyond just health issues and then some of the other struggles that she was having. I remember those first days, Jennifer, um, Jennifer and I started homeschooling close to, I think it was about the same time, wasn't it, Jennifer, five, six years ago? We're finishing our seventh year, if I count my daughter's preschool year, which was our trial year. You know, you have that trial year. <laughs> I didn't get that. I, I, I jumped in at first grade. so. Um, um, but I taught preschool, so maybe that was my trial year. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I know shortly after I started homeschooling and started writing, um, you and I were talking on the phone that day, one day, and you were really starting to discover some of the the physical issues that you were experiencing in your home that was impacting your daughter. Um, and we were actually going through testing with with ours as well to find out if there was a, an issue with um, dysgraphia or with dyslexia. So it was interesting that God had put us together at the same time as we walked down that journey so we could compare notes and encourage one another. Um, 
what when when you noticed now I know the answer to this, but I want to I really want my audience to hear this. When when did you really notice that that your children had needs that were beyond those of other children? Like what were the what were the tipping points? What helped you kind of say, you know what, this really just isn't quite your everyday obstacle? Well, like I said, with my older daughter, um, her vision issues became very apparent. Occasionally between 12 and 18 months, I would think that one of her eyes would turn in, and then I would look, and I would think it was, you know, not lined up with the other one, and I would go grab a pin light, and I would check. And by the time, of course, I got a light and was checking to see if her pupils were reflecting light in the same place and all of that, it would have straightened out. Her her pediatrician did ask me at 18 months if I ever thought that her eyes were not, you know, lined up correctly or one of them was trying to turn in or something. And I, I told him, I said, well, sometimes I think I do, but then it seems to get better, and so I don't really know. Well, between 18 and 24 months, we noted, well, actually by the time my younger daughter was born, when my older daughter was 22 months old, one of her eyes was in had turned all the way into the corner and stayed there. And so that was pretty much the key to us. We ended up getting sent to Children's Hospital to an ophthalmologist, but um, we put her in glasses immediately. Three months later, we increased her prescription, and we've been very, very, very blessed. It had not been that way long enough that she had developed lazy eye. And once we got her into that second prescription, I mean, she pretty much wears the same prescription now, and it's been almost nine years later. So we've been very blessed her vision has remained very stable, and we just have to keep up with her eye appointments and make sure that she's got corrective lenses to keep everything the way that it needs to be. Um, but my younger daughter, um, well, when I look back now, I, can, I know that something was different from birth, and I knew it then too, but, I mean, I had a one-year-old and a newborn, and so I was really tired, <laughs> and so... I didn't. I wasn't on top of everything like maybe I would have if I was getting more sleep because my older daughter was not sleeping through the night when I had my baby. So a lot of times I was up in the middle of the night trying to take care of two babies so that my husband could sleep to work the next day, and it was tough. But um, about, I mean, something happened. I remember around 10 months old thinking that she was just crying a lot. And then uh, we started having problems with the ear infections, which is not that unusual, except that the antibiotics that they usually give babies for ear infections weren't working well, and we would end up having to go get, like, three antibiotic shots three days in a row and different things to try to get rid of the infections. And then before she turned two, she, um, we, she had had ear tube surgery, and we really thought that that would stop the crying and that she would feel better, but she just kept crying. She stayed congested all the time. They sent, um, the pediatrician sent us back to the ENT, and they did a culture from some, you know, mucus up in her nose, and and it takes like a week for that to come back. And I called them like a week later, maybe just short of a week later, and I said, look, has, have you gotten the results back? I don't know what to do, but she will not stop crying. We've got to do something. And they said, well, I was just fixing to call you. We just got the results today. You need to be ready for her to have surgery tomorrow because she has 
an antibiotic resistant strep in her sinuses and um the the I guess sensitivity testing or whatever they do on the cultures has shown that only two antibiotics will kill it and one we can't give to children and the other one can only be given through IV so we had to rush to find, make arrangements for our older daughter who was um you know still very young she was not even 3 yet and we were um trying to make arrangements for somebody to take care of her no, I guess she was almost she was three, almost four. But anyway, they uh, were trying to make arrangements for somebody to care for, you know, our toddler and then to uh, take our, our slightly younger toddler to the hospital the next day and be prepared to stay for four or five days for her to get this IV antibiotic. And the pediatrician and the ENT were consulting with infectious disease doctors at Children's. And at that point, something I was kind of like, well, you know, this seems kind of strange for a healthy kid to have this this young so I asked them to check her immune system and they told me that everything looked okay so at four she had to have um, her sinus issues continued um, even after the surgery and all the infections and so at four um, she had to have her second sinus surgery and I said well, maybe it's allergies or something. We've missed something somewhere. But they referred me to another doctor who was not only a board-certified allergist, but he is also a board-certified immunologist. And I told the doctor, her pediatrician, I said, you know, I just really would like for somebody to look at her immune system again. And so when we got there, we did talk about allergy testing. We did that, and, of course, we found some allergies, but I said, you know, I just think this is really weird. Can we check her immune system again? And so he agreed to run lab work, and the lab work, um, he said, was interesting because it was very similar to what the lab work had looked like when she was two, except for since the immunologist looks through a different lens, rather than seeing normal numbers, he saw numbers that were low normal, so kind of borderline in his mind, and with this terrible clinical history of this kid with these hard-to-get-rid-of infections, he started treating her immediately for an immune deficiency. And um, so we, at four, we had to start doing weekly in, immunoglobulin infusions, basically giving her a medication that's derived from the blood supply that consists of other people's antibodies. And so, um, so I knew there were health issues, um, I thought some of the behavioral issues and developmental delays we were seeing were probably a result of the fact that she felt so bad all the time and that those would clear up when she felt better. So um, after her, her health did begin to improve over the first two years of getting those infusions. But we ended up having to have a third sinus surgery when she turned five. And we did a lot of work there um, in her sinuses and the openings as well as taking out her tonsils and adenoids in case they were harboring lingering bacteria that were contributing to the problem and so then she really did kind of start to clear up and we got her her immune system functions up we got that last surgery done and then we realized that after she started to feel better that all of the other delays and concerns that we had were not going away. And on top of that, we noticed all the problems with schoolwork. It was really 
almost bizarre. Um, Rebecca, when you and I started to talk, it was like I had this child that I dealt with every day, and then when we sat down in kindergarten to do schoolwork, it was like I had a completely different child. It was it wasn't even the same. I mean, I had a child who was bubbly and loved life and you know, enjoyed drawing and doing certain things and we sat down to try to learn to read or to learn numbers and do basic math and all of a sudden, I mean, she her frustration tolerance was not very high, but I mean, she couldn't even remember early on that she had five fingers on each hand, which meant she had ten altogether. I mean, just very basic things she couldn't remember. She didn't she didn't know. She had no idea. I remember I remember us talking I remember talking with you about that. I remember you calling one day and saying, I don't know what's going on here. This is not making sense to me. No, it's that. and it's very scary when you can tell that your child is bright and people when I would ask them they would say, Well you can tell she's smart and I said, Her intelligence is not at question here. Her my question is how is she processing all of this stuff and what in the world is going on that none of this academic stuff makes sense to her at all? And so the red flags were very big and very, you know, very large and very in my face that there was something going on. By the time she was six and a half, we had received, um, and she, she had started at five and she had been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder and had started occupational therapy at six and a half. She was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, which did make a lot of things that had happened in the first six and a half years of her life make a lot more sense. Um, it kind of answered some of the some of the academic questions, but honestly, we're still working on those. She's actually just had some more testing and evaluations done, which are revealing um, even more information about how she processes things and how her brain sees things. And so I think we're, you know, we're getting there. It just takes it just takes time. But I would say if there's anyone who thinks that they're seeing something in their child, that they just have this feeling that things aren't right, I would definitely recommend that you trust your gut because I'm a firm believer that God gives parents instincts about their children that he gives to no one else. And if I had followed my gut earlier and had not just decided to downplay um, some of the things I was seeing because um, people, you know, well, if you read this book, you know, some kids just do it later and kids develop at different paces and everything else. And I understand all of that, but still there was something about the situation that I felt wasn't right that it wasn't just that she was developing later, that there was something more going on there. And so we actually delayed getting some um, speech therapy and starting occupational therapy earlier and doing some things that we could have done earlier had I trusted myself instead of kind of letting people talk me out of what I was feeling. And so, you know... I would definitely recommend if you think something's going on or you see some red flags that you're concerned about that you go ahead and, you know, talk to your doctor or someone else that you trust who might could help you to pursue that just to make sure that everything is okay and that you don't, you know, lose some valuable time trying to convince yourself everything's okay when you kind of feel like it's not. Right. 
Yeah, I think all too often, um, and I and I see this a lot in society right now, where parents do know something is going on with their children, and they're told, "Well, no, that's not true." Only later to find out that it was true. Um, we, we exactly. I think our society today tends to downplay um, a, a parental knowledge of their child's spiritual, physical, and educational ability and where they are. And um, so don't beat yourself up, Jennifer. Right. I think that you've done a fantastic job over the last few years because you've kept pushing. And you would get a certain point and you would say, but there's more to it, and you would push more. So I applaud you for that. And for any parent who's listening now, please listen to what Jennifer's saying. Seek any kind of help that you need for your child. And if you just keep this burning feeling in your heart, that's just the Holy Spirit telling you to keep pushing and to keep encouraging your child. Don't forget that part. It's so important when you're in this process. Jennifer, correct me if I'm wrong. To make sure that your child is aware of the fact they have no control over this. It's it's not their fault. It's not your fault. Um, and just to encourage them and be their cheerleader and let them know that, that they are loved and they are made by a wonderful God who created them this way for a special reason. And and they are they are just like other children. They just have different exactly. needs. Yes, I have told my daughter more times than I can count that she can learn. But the problem is I just haven't found exactly the right way that helps yet. And we are doing better since we started multi-sensory teaching methods, you know, addressing more than one. Instead of just putting a workbook down in front of her, you know, we have we play games or we write letters in the air or on the carpet or in shaving cream or um, we will um, use letters on a magnet board to piece words together and things like that. I mean, we can't – I can't just do the traditional – I can't, she doesn't learn the way I learned when I was growing up. So the problem is really not with her. The problem is that I'm still learning how her brain works and how she learns. And I have assured her more than once that, you know, she can learn and she is learning and she is making progress. It's just that her brain sees things differently than other people's do. or Her body doesn't function in this way, the same way that other people's does. But that doesn't mean, that just means, you know, that she is, fearfully and wonderfully made, like we all are. And I have assured her that God has a plan for her, just like she is. Yep. And that he is going to Yeah. But I will tell you about the keep the keep pushing part. There does come a point, I mean if you're in a point where you've pushed and pushed and you've gotten some answers, sometimes you do need a break. And sometimes your child needs a break. So it's okay if you've gotten some answers and you've made some progress and you're in a place where you just kind of need to breathe for a little while. I have done that, too. There have been years that I feel like I've done nothing but sit and do Google searches and research and talk to doctors and talk to specialists and go through evaluations and testing. And then there are other years where it's like we've gotten answers and we just coast for a little while. And then when it becomes, you know, critical again to push and push and push some more, then we'll push for a little while, you know, and then we coast for a little while. You can't. You, you can't, can't stand push. pushing those nonstop. Yeah, you can't. You can't hold up to that level that level of intensity all the time. So if you're in a period of time where you feel like you've gotten some answers and you need to work through those before you push for something else, then you know I completely get that, and I think that's necessary because I don't think we can push with intensity nonstop. 
Right. So, Jennifer, share a little bit with us about about what a a week would look like in your house because it sounds like each day of the week you probably have a different schedule based on where you have appointments. Um, so can you give us a, like a general outlook of what a week or a month would look like in your home as as you work through everything you're you're working with with your daughters and homeschooling and being a wife? What does that look like? Um, I used to have therapy sessions scheduled throughout the week, and we still have a couple in a month that I just have to take the appointments when I can get them. But for, like, occupational therapy and horse riding therapy and some other ones, I kind of have made Thursdays our therapy days for the last couple of years, which um, it makes it a really full day. But I just picked one day because then that's that day that I have to be out of the house. Because if when we're running all the time, it's hard, but if you have to run because that's how your therapy facilities work, then you just have to do what you have to do. We did that in the earlier days, and we might have to do it again in the future, but it's you know it's okay if you do that. We would do a little bit of reading and math before we left the house, do therapy, um, go have lunch with my grandmother, do errands while we were on that side of town, go to more therapy, and get home to fix supper, which was hopefully in the crock pot, and eat as a family. But we have also um, made folders of assignments and taken them to waiting rooms and worked in waiting rooms. We have worked in the car. Uh, We have bought memberships to uh, the city that our children's hospital is in, to the zoo and the science museum so that we can take little mini field trips when we're in town and have a place to stretch our legs and have fun and learn some things before we have to get back in the car to head home. But as far as like a typical like a typical week or a typical month, um, during the day we stay home as much as we can or at least stay home in the mornings. We might have a play date or something in the afternoons, but um, we stay home in the mornings and we work on our schoolwork. I personally do not, not feel compelled any longer to do every single subject every day. It's just not realistic for my family. So my focus is that we spend time in the Word together every day, and we everybody does reading, language arts, and math. And then we rotate science and social studies, music and art, or whatever else that we want to work on. But I don't feel like I have to do all of them every day. And by not feeling pressed to do all of them every day, then if we really get involved in a social studies subject or a science subject, that gives us more time to pursue that interest and do that extra experiment or watch that documentary that goes along with what we were doing or something like that. So, you know, if you're thinking you can't get everything done every day, you probably can't. So just give yourself some grace and just rotate out what you, the other subjects that you work on after you've done those critical ones. And like I said, Thursdays for the past couple of years has been therapy day, we would do a little bit of reading and math or language arts and math and then head out and not get home until after um, we would be gone before 10 p.m. and not get home until after 6 p.m. usually. Let's, we've got to work uh, either on Thursday or Friday. We have to work my daughter's um, infusion in. And then we have days that we take out of town. We have out of town specialist appointments, which we've had some of those this month. And so we... 
We just kind of have to. Well, one thing we do is we take off for June and July to do activities with uh, the church and in the community that are offered for free or reduced cost in the summer. And then we start school at the very end of July when it's so hot we can't even see straight anymore. Then it's a good time to come in. And we go ahead and get started on our school year. And so we kind of build in a cushion before everybody else gets started good. That gives us some grace for appointment days. We we tweak our holiday schedule. This year we only took Christmas week off. We took a spring break only because I was traveling to speak, but I wasn't going to until I found out I was going to be traveling. But um, we don't take off all the little holidays on Mondays or whenever they happen that the school district takes. And so we kind of go ahead and work on some days that the school districts around us are not working so that we have those grace days for specialist appointments or when people, you know, when my daughter's sick or people just don't feel well or like last week, my husband had had a hard day at work, I mean, a hard week as well. It's just been hard lately. And he um, he wanted to go for the day. He wanted to leave the next morning. On Friday morning, he was taking a vacation day and go to um, a nearby city like an hour and a half away and go to the Natural Resources Museum and do some things. And so it was definitely a school day of the field trip. But, you know, if you ha- if you need to get a certain amount of work done in your books or your lessons or whatever you're doing, then, you know, it's nice to have other days built in that you have kept working. So, I mean, we have to be pretty flexible. I can't tell you every single day looks the same at my house because it really – it doesn't. The core is Bible, math, language, arts, and reading, and then we rotate everything else and remain very flexible for therapy appointments, doctor appointments, specialist appointments, days she just doesn't feel well. Um, I'm not opposed to working on Saturdays, we, and we have when we needed to. It's not our preferred thing to do because my husband is off on the weekends, but... You know, we'll do it if we need to. The bottom line is you have to kind of get in your mind or on paper what you feel like you really need to get done and what you want to accomplish that year, and then just figure out a schedule that works for your family. Right, and it's going to look different for every family, every day, every week, Mm -hmm. and possibly every month even. Absolutely. Because mine doesn't look the same every day or every week or every month. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't have everything that you have, but even our days are different. Um, mm-hmm. Every family just, there's, you just get to a point where there's an ebb and a flow. And you just, you, <laughs> some days it's easy for mom to be flexible and other days it's not. And so we need to just be ready for that. And just know that, you know what, there is so much grace in every moment of every day. Exactly. And, um, and, and our children will see that. There's going to be days where moms handle it well and days where we don't handle it well. And we just, we need grace and our children need grace. So. And we also need to realize that there are those days where the books need to be put up because we all need to spend time in the Word together to deal with our attitudes. Yes, and, and that is one thing I fully believe is, is our 
our hearts and our children's hearts and character should always come first. Because if if we can't if we can't have open hearts and we truly believe that all knowledge and wisdom come from God, then trying to sit and do any kind of lesson when our hearts aren't right that's that's just going to be fruitless time. Exactly. You're not accomplishing anything anyway, so Right. So Jennifer, for, for those parents who are out there now and they're considering homeschooling, um, they have a child that has special needs, what's your advice? Because the, the one thing I know I hear from most of these parents is they are fearful that they can't do what the schools can do. Um, and, and that is, you know, I, I love the honesty of people when they say, you know what, I'm just afraid I can't do it and I won't do it as well. And, and again, I think that gets back to where society has led parents to think that we, we can't do things. Um, how how have you been able to adjust the fact that yes you can, and and there's going to be days where where you feel like you still can't, but what can you offer them? And other and I and I do want you to include your website in this because you have some great resources. Um, okay. So can you answer that for any parent who's kind of sitting there going, my child's not getting exactly what I want them to get, but I'm afraid I still can't give it to them either. Um, yes, I've actually written about that. Several times. I mean, I've written about methods like the multi-sensory homeschooling for children with special needs series that I did. And then I've written some um, posts about, one of them is called um, I Can't Homeschool Because My Child Has Special Needs, which addresses that specifically. And another one is about that um, how can you adequately teach your child, which addresses being qualified. And basically, I would say, because, you know, although I was a classroom teacher, I was not a special ed teacher. All I knew about special education was how to fill out the paperwork to refer the child for testing. And then the parents in the special ed department got together and took care of that, and then they came back and gave me these papers and told me what to do to help this child. I didn't have any idea what to do. I'm not trained or qualified or certified as a special education teacher either, but I will go back to one thing that we've mentioned before, just briefly bring it back into this part of the discussion, is that you know things about your child that no one else knows. You have that gut instinct. You have that intuition that God has given to you. He has not given it to your child's pediatrician or to their Sunday school teacher or to their coach for um, softball or their dance teacher or any teacher in any public school classroom. Only you have those feelings, that intuition, and that gut instinct about your child. God doesn't give in to anyone else. The other thing I would say is that you know your child better than anyone else knows them because you have spent more time with your child than anyone else. No one else has gotten up in the middle of the night with your child when they had a bad dream or when they had a stomach virus or when they just woke up and needed to be reassured to go back to sleep. I mean, from day one, you are the person who has been there with your child. You know their likes and dislikes better than anyone else. I mean, you know everything about them better than anyone else does. And so if you're talking about like a child on the autism spectrum that has very specific likes and dislikes and very um, subjects that they are intensely focused on, which may or may not change through time, I mean, nobody's going to know that better than you. And who's going to be able to tailor lessons for them around that interest better than you because you know exactly what they've been doing every minute of the day and what they're thinking and what they're exploring and what they're interested in. You, um, 
I mean, I personally think, and I have uh, several members of my daughter's team of professionals who completely agree with me that homeschooling is absolutely the best option for her. She gets one-on-one instruction. I mean, there's no better teacher-student ratio than homeschooling. I mean, granted, I have another child in the home, but when I'm working with her, it is just her and me, one-on-one. The other thing is that in the home, you can provide customized instruction specifically for that child. Both of my children have very different-looking school days because both of my children are very different, and they have different needs. And I have had to remind them of that multiple times, that fair does not mean equal. You know, God treats us all fairly, but he doesn't treat us all equally. And it's the same thing that with, is so true. <laughs> with our children. Fair does not mean equal. I mean, if you think about it, I've asked my older daughter before, do you really want me to treat you exactly like I treat your younger sister? Or ask my younger one, do you really want me to treat you and expect from you exactly what I expect from your older sister? Well, when they really think about it and take it beyond that issue they're upset about, no, they don't want that. They absolutely do not want to be treated equally because they realize that they're very different. But, you know, so I can provide exactly what each child needs. The other thing is that although the school district may have or may not have, as the case may be, more money to throw at the special education program, the fact of the matter is that they cannot just purchase anything that would be best for your child. They're limited by their budget. They're limited by vendors, like which vendors they can purchase from, what types of things that they're allowed to buy, and how many of them. And I obviously, I have a budget too, and I'm limited by my budget, but I'm not limited by vendors. I'm not limited by price points or anything else. I have found that the homeschooling community is a very giving community, Overall, um, I have had people send me free of charge used curriculum. I have had um, people sell me used curriculum for very little, like uh, sometimes the cost of shipping or just a few dollars per book when it would cost a lot. You can go to websites like Amazon, Aid Books and things, and you can buy used books from a lot of book bookstores, online bookstores. You can visit used bookstores. I mean, we have a lot of options that are available to us that um, there are tons of free or fairly inexpensive apps for tablets now. I know the iPad is a big one. How would a parent identify what exactly their child would need with special needs? I mean, would there be a lot of trial and error? Because, you know, you and I both know when you homeschool it, it becomes a single-income family. Maybe the, the parent at home can can have a little side job similar to what you and I do or working part-time out of the home. Um, But are there resources out there that make it easier or not so cumbersome for a parent to really identify and customize before spending hundreds and thousands of dollars to get to that point? Yes. I would say, first of all, what you can do for free is to watch your child and look at really how your child engages with life and what's going on around him or her, and then look to see, you know, if your child doesn't read, then probably a curriculum that involves nothing but reading is not going to be a good fit. If your child is very hands-on, then you're going to want to look at curriculum options that are very hands-on. If you would really like to have a uh, 
like something that you could actually look at, you can, uh, one company that I've used, and I actually did a review on my blog for this too, it's called kidsmet.com. It's on, there's a link to it on my favorite resources page on my blog, and I also did a review, it's K-I-D-Z-M-E-T, and it has questions that your child can answer and then even without buying the little book that goes along with it, just the free part of that gives you a lot of information about who your child is as a learner that I found very, very interesting. They even had a, a picture, like one where the answers were pictures where you ask your child, do you like this or this for kids who aren't reading yet or who don't read well? And so they can even give their input, you know, it's like, do you like, what do you like better, this or this? And they would pick. And then I was really surprised at how well, when I really looked at the report and thought about my kids, about how well their learning profiles fit. Mm-hmm. And there are other different kinds of learning profiles and assessments. You can go online. Some of them cost money. Some of them don't. Like I said, Kismet is free, and you get a lot of great information from just the free email they send you, but you can also buy a more extensive. And then you have links to your favorite resources on your blog, Jennifer A. James, right? JenniferAJames.com. There's a a little tab at the top called Favorite Resources, and that's one of them. Okay. That's included there. But so, yes, I would say, you know, definitely one way to find out is just watch your child. Play with them, interact with them, see what, um, how they interact with the world and see, you know, are they good listeners? Are they better at looking at things and figuring them out? Do they need to be hands-on? And, um, you know, like it's I'm, I'm past the point really of buying traditional curriculum for my younger daughter because it doesn't work for her. We have to have the hands-on, get-involved stuff. My older daughter loves traditional curriculum, and so that's what I buy for her. I just buy her language arts, math, and reading in a box at the beginning of the year for this company that she loves and has been using since first grade, and off she goes. You just have to kind of watch your child and know know your child and see what you think is going to be a better fit. That's awesome. Well, Jennifer, I am so thankful for our time together today. It's, it's time to wrap up another show of Rejoicing Daily. Again, my guest today has been Jennifer Janes from JenniferAJanes.com. Jennifer is a speaker at conferences. Um, She is an excellent writer. Her heart is so much for parents to equip you and encourage you, no matter where you are in your journey as a parent or even a homeschool parent, for that matter. Um, You can find her at JenniferAJanes.com. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest. I know that if you email her through through her blog, she, um, she'll reply as she's able or ask questions um, to help her community on Facebook. I know that she would love that, um, and it would be a blessing to you and anyone else. Don't be afraid, parents, to get out there and ask those questions. Um, there's so many people like Jennifer who want to help you. They want to encourage you because they don't want you to feel like you're walking this journey alone. Um, Jennifer, is there anything else you would like to add? I would just say to, um, you know, if you really want to homeschool your child, then you just need to pray. And when you get that answer from God and you know that it's him telling you that, then you just need to go with it. Just step out in obedience and take that step of faith 
and know that if he's called you to it, he's going to see you through it. Because I cannot tell you how many times he has proved himself faithful to us, like Rebecca was saying earlier in the show, and just put the right people in my path at the right time to get us to that next step. So he he will meet you there. He's not going to let, like get you started on the journey and leave you alone. Definitely. All right. Well, once again, everyone, thank you for joining Rejoicing Daily. I'm going to end with a prayer. And, um, again, Jennifer, thank you. Thank Dear you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time with my friend Jennifer. I thank you for all of the listeners who will be encouraged by this to know that they are not alone in this journey. Um, there are people and resources who want to help and encourage them and equip them um, for your glory, not for theirs. But, dear Lord, dear, my heart just goes out to every family right now um, who who just needs encouragement, whether they have children with special needs or not. Chances are, even if they don't, they have friends who do, and they can share this show with them and encourage them and even walk this journey with them. Um, we we don't have to just be friends with just one type of friend. We need to reach out and be your hands to all. We just thank you, dear Lord. We pray that you will infuse in us a desire to go out and make disciples of all nations and to remind others to rejoice daily. We hope you enjoyed today's show and will come back for future shows of Rejoicing Daily. You can find the podcast through the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com and listen at your convenience. Until next time, make sure you are Rejoicing Daily.